The Mind Body Detective aims to empower and educate individuals who are on a health journey that is evolving their mind, body and spirit. Hi, it's Deborah Wiggins Hay here, the Mind Body Detective, and I wanted to share with you um, some parts of a uh, an interview which the author and therapist Anne Bowditch did with me uh, last month. This has been divided into two sections, which uh, takes it down to around about half an hour for each section. The first one's a pretty good introduction to myself and to the type of work that I'm doing, particularly in relation to thyroid issues. The second part goes much more into depth with thyroid issues in particular. And so I hope that between these two parts that you enjoy the information and a little bit of the banter and fun that I have with Anne. Welcome, I'm Anne Bowditch. I'm a therapist and I'm author of two books currently. First one being The Energy of Anxiety and The Power of Confidence. And I'm really lucky today because I've got the amazing Deborah Wiggins Hay with me today. And I'm just going to, before I introduce Deborah, I'm just going to run through a few uh, biography moments of Deborah, although there's a lot more to her than what I'm about to uh, tell you. So Deborah Wiggins Hay is effectively the mind-body detective. Deborah works with her clients on many different levels, from spiritual and personal development to emotional or biological health issues. She believes that for many of us, these are all one and the same thing, underpinning them all in the premise that we are all on a journey to evolve our soul by connecting to the true spirit of ourselves. She states, understanding ourselves more fully and evolving and aligning our thoughts, feelings and actions is how we come to discover the root of our happiness and joy. Now, Deborah's quite an expert on the thyroid and recovering from thyroid health issues. And she has, in fact, healed herself using her own treatments of hypothyroidism and that's the topic for today. Uh, just a few more uh, bits of information on Deborah. Uh, she's actually trained in many therapies and techniques and she's really adopted uh, her own unique way of working with her clients. I've had first-hand uh, experience of Deborah's great work and it really is <clears throat> quite incredible to see the transformation that she can make often in know sometimes quite a short period of time you begin to notice those layers begin to shift. Um, Deborah is the a practitioner and teacher of the mind body detective tools and techniques of well-being. Uh, she's also a teacher of subtle energy medicine and the wisdom of our senses and currently she is writing a book on hypothyroid free that's the title hypothyroid free unless she's decided to change that at any point. Uh, and that will explain her discoveries and her experiences. So 
that's, uh, a, as I say, in a way, it's a brief intro because there's a huge amount more to the wonderful Deborah Wiggins Hay, but welcome, Deborah. Hi, thank you, Anne. Gosh, I sound far more interesting than I really am. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I think you're, you're very Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I, oh, gosh, what shall I say? I guess, you know, I've been on a journey, really, thinking about my thyroid for a long time because, um, you know, I was underactive, uh, my thyroid, I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's and I was diagnosed when I was 25 after the birth of my first child. Um, it took a while before I got the diagnosis. It was a good sort of 18 months or so. And the period between the birth and the, uh, and the diagnosis, um, I was sort of in and out of hospital with various issues that were going on and not really knowing what was happening. Um, in fact, at that point, I remember because I had a huge growth that was that was sort of growing very quickly on the front of my neck. I remember thinking that I may have had, you know, something far more serious that perhaps I had some sort of cancer. Um, and at 25, having just had my daughter at that time, and we didn't have Google and we didn't have the Internet or back in the dark ages. You know, it was it was very difficult. I remember going to the library and, you know, trying to wade my way through medical books, trying to understand what might be going on with my little baby in my push chair. And, you know, uh, it, it was it was a difficult time. Um but uh, here we are now, a long way down the line, 25 years later. Um, and it's been a journey, but, um, but it's, it's, been in, it's been very interesting. Uh, so, yes. Yeah, I mean, it's what I take from you is that you've been very thorough with working out this condition and very sort of persistent in achieving what you've achieved by not needing medication anymore by getting your levels back up to what the doctors say are, are fine so that must mean the normal range and that even for somebody who understands this work that's actually a huge commitment to achieve that and I think you know anybody in this industry would appreciate that the recognition that you you deserve for, for achieving that well, it, it was a conscious decision to do the work that I wanted to do. I had spent a long period of time, you know, I guess my health journey goes from, you know, having to discover ways really early on, because although I was medicated, um, unfortunately, I was one of those people who, um, who just, I, I didn't, although I was medicated and then the doctors were sort of saying, yes, your levels are fine. And there wasn't a lot of information around at that time, as I said, um, you know, I still had all the symptoms. I still felt absolutely awful. And so, you know, continuing to go to the doctors and being told that I was fine and that, you know, just go home and carry on. Um, it, it was 
it was impossible for me to do that and um, you know I'd always been very busy I'd been traveling as a musician I'd had a you know a really busy full creative life before that um, and suddenly you know I, I could barely function through the day my brain I couldn't remember anything I was exhausted before the day even began difficult to get out of bed I was cold all the time you know I'd have to have a bath two or three times a day just to even try and keep my body temperature you know to, to bring it back up to normal I was trying to do all of that whilst I had a new baby you know new house all those sort of life things going on so I had to find very quickly other ways to try to um, work out how to you know, like manage my life and get my life sort of packed together. And so the the option left for me was to begin to look at, you know, alternative options and thinking about my health in a different way. And I guess to be fair, I'd always, you know, I always thought one of the first things I said to my doctor was, um, you know, well, I'm not going to be on medication all my life. When I was told I would have to take these, you know, these sort of hormone replacement tablets forever, I I just remember thinking, well, that that doesn't, you know, I, do, I just don't think that's... I had more belief in the power of my body to heal than, um, than I had this belief that I would be forever on this medication. So I think fundamentally, first of all, that was the first most powerful belief that I did already have uh, within myself and that's not to be sort of you know downplayed because it's really important to to believe in that saying that it didn't mean that there was a recovery right at the beginning I went through I went through years of searching years of educating myself years of training in different therapies all of them had different elements that were helpful, um, but it wasn't really until I got to this sort of uh, last several years, really sort of beginning to sort of move fully into this whole sort of energy psychology approach to health and understanding that mind-body connection on, on a much deeper level. Uh, that's when suddenly all the pieces came together um, and I was able to focus my mind and my efforts in, in, in working on that one specific issue. So even before you effectively had the knowledge of the type of treatments that really could heal this and the mind-body connection, which I'd like you to explain a little bit more about in a moment, but even before that, there was an understanding or a belief within you that the body can heal somehow you just didn't know how to get from a to b at that point but you knew that it was possible but you don't know how you know you just it was almost like a, a gut instinct yeah it was it was a gut instinct it was maybe it was an intuition um i think also you know and this is shared by a lot of people who have thyroid issues you know when you go into meet the doctor or you go into these various situations, especially with issues like thyroid or other, you know, long-term chronic illnesses where, where you have to have continual sort of assessments or, or examinations, you know, um, is that when you, you go along, you have this whole life experience. This, the symptoms that the reason you go is because you're having symptoms and they're affecting your whole life. 
But actually what happens is the focus becomes all about the symptom and what happens is, and I understandably why that happens in, in medicine, is that the specialisms sort of go down and down and down and down to the point where you'll barely recognise like what's happening in your life, who you are as a person. None of that actually has any importance once you go into that field and what happens is you start to be just looked at in terms of it's it's just your thyroid or it's just whatever the other parts are and the other part of my story was as well as my thyroid sort of suddenly you know going haywire is that I was also having I also suddenly had gallstones I suddenly had these other sort of symptoms um and just there was a part in my my mind, which was also, I think, not just intuition, it was logic. It was a logic that was saying, these things cannot all be separate. They have to be. Or other, you know, long-term chronic illnesses where where you have to have continual sort of assessments or, or examinations. You know, um, it's the when you you go along you have this whole life experience this the symptoms that the reason you go is because you're having symptoms and they're affecting your whole life but actually what happens is the focus becomes all about the symptom and what happens is and I understandably why that happens in in medicine is that the specialisms sort of go down and down and down and down to the point where you'll barely recognize like what's happening in your life, who you are as a person, none of that actually has any importance once you go into that field. And what happens is you start to be just looked at in terms of it's it's just your thyroid or it's just whatever the other parts are. And the other part of my story was, as well as my thyroid sort of suddenly you know, going haywire is that I was also having, I also suddenly had gallstones. I suddenly had these other sort of symptoms. Um, and just there was a part in my, my mind, which was also, I think, not just intuition, it was logic. It was a logic that was saying, these things cannot all be separate. They have to be connected. There has to be. And I kept asking the thyroid people, what, how is this linked to the gallbladder? And how is this linked to, you know, then I had, um, you know, my, my liver count came back completely screw it, you know, all over the place. And then I was like, well, how is this connected? And every one of them, uh, was that they were they were just focused in in the specific speci specialism uh, that they deal with, um, and that's that's no disrespect because I think Western medicine is absolutely amazing. The things that we can do is absolutely amazing, but for me, when I was receiving medication that wasn't working for me, when I was asking these sorts of questions that that were logical but also intuitively felt right for me I, I wasn't getting anywhere with answers to those questions I think that's it isn't it is if medicine was sort of invented now I'd like to think that somebody would walk into a doctor's office and I suppose this is what if we had a term holistic doctor this is what would happen is they go in there with their symptoms and the first thing the doctor asks you is okay, what's, what's going on for you, either what's stressing you or what's recently stressed you or 
what's changed in your life? And I just very briefly, I went through um, fatigue, very, you know, a, a type of chronic fatigue. And when I went to the doctors, it, I didn't really get the answers. I was just told to stop cycling but no one said to me what's changed in your life and the biggest thing that had changed is I changed career from a very sedentary job to a very active job and also the hours of work had changed dramatically and then I was trying to fit everything in in between all of that so had somebody asked me that question or those few questions then the answer probably would have been completely clear and I can see that now but at the time i Maybe I could see it at the time, but maybe I needed someone to tell me what you're doing isn't working. You need to do something else. So yeah. that's how I'd like to see. And I, and I think it, that's what I'd like to put out there to people is when something happens within your health, within your physical being, or your mental well-being or your emotional well-being is ask a few questions of yourself. What's changed? What's, what's bothering me? What's upsetting me? What's stressing me? Uh, and go and that you probably will find the answer as to what's going on absolutely um, yeah. so just linking yeah. in with that to this mind body detective because it sounds super cool and <laughs> I, ha I have a, an insight into some of what you do but mm. can you just explain a bit more about that side of things and what what we're talking about here with this sort of you know, a bit more about this link between the stresses and the strains of life and the impact on us and, and that side of things. Okay. So I have to be careful here because I can get very esoteric and go off into all sorts of like mystical sort of um, areas. Uh, but I'll also try to keep it, you know, on, on, on a much more sort of biological level. And as you say, you know, nothing happens in isolation. Um, whilst we are sort of, whilst we are, I guess we're taught and we learn uh, over time that we look at things individually and in isolation, the reality is that nothing that's going on in our body or our mind or the connection of, you know, if you, if you like, the bridge between those two things and the very powerful um, aspect that is totally disregarded is the emotional component of our lives. In fact, one of the things that I often say is that a lot of um, illnesses that are considered uh, mental health issues in, in our language uh, today are actually fundamentally, they have a huge emotional component, but we don't tend to like to use the language emotional health. Um, you know, mental health gives us a sort of a certain prestige or something to and it's funny to say that but to to take in an illness seriously because if we talk about um emotional some sort of um emotional um you know dysfunction then we still have these really antiquated ideas that that's just sort of hysteria or you know all of those old ideas about um you know this is just some sort of it, it's just this sort of world that isn't quite, hasn't quite been uh, brought forward or accepted as part of, of the whole picture. But actually, the emotions are these really important bridge between mind and body. Um, and so, you know, 
working with understanding what we're feeling, you know, how we feel and what we feel has a huge impact on how our body functions, you know, um, has a huge impact on the biological system. We know, you know, lots of science that talks about the connection with emotions and the endocrine system. Um, we, we know that how we think can affect how we feel you, you know everybody knows that you know if you think if you think now of one of your best times ever in your life it's going to just raise your mood and make you feel great if you want to sit and think about one of the worst times and if you want to think about the things that you've lost um you know immediately if you focus on those sorts of thoughts and let them replay you'll you'll notice that your energy and your emotional state will change all of those things will then have an impact on the body. So there is just this complete link between how we think, how we see the world affects how we think, how we feel, and how the body interprets all of that information and then has a biological response, which is appropriate for it. So the thing that ties all those things together is mind, really. You know, mind is that aspect, not just brain, but the mind, it works with uh, all levels of consciousness, whether that's um, the conscious mind, cognitive thinking, whether it's the unconscious, um, you know, all of those automated responses, whether it's the emotions, you know, those parts, we know the parts in the brain that are associated with that. Um, but And whether, whether it's... Um, you know, how we, the information that we're receiving into the body and how we're processing that and how the body then responds and directs information back out into the world. All of that is operated through that part of us, which is the mind, um, you know, the psyche. Uh, so, you know, I, I could give some sort of like, you know, the, the typical examples that... Um, you know, people demonstrate for the mind-body connection is, you know, when you go into fight or flight responses, you know, if you get, if you, if you saw a tiger, you know, walking down the street, not with a circus ringmaster or, you know, take that bit out. <laughs> but, you know, if you just saw a tiger coming towards you, that's, that's the sort of normal story that's told with you. You're going to go into a fight or flight response you know you're going to have your body is going to suddenly have a huge surge of adrenaline you know you're either going to get out of that space really quickly in which case you've survived and you know your body will then go through the processes of, of releasing uh, the adrenaline uh, which can which should, what might happen with shaking you know that's because you've got we've got huge amounts of adrenaline in our system and then the body slowly also, uh, over a period of time, will then also bring down the cortisol levels, which is a much more long sort of, it stays in the system for, for a bit longer. Um, but it will, it, it will bring all of those things down. And we will have to go into a state of rest and repair. If you've run for your life, you are likely going to have the biggest sleep afterwards, after your body has got rid of all those sort of initial stress hormones. But, you know... As you, as you know, Anne, you know, the way that the, uh, the world is today, um, you know, w the world is full of tigers and they don't just sort of turn up once for us. You know, we are faced with tigers almost continually from morning to the evening. Many people are juggling 
you know, a dozen tigers that are appearing in their life in, in all different areas of their life. And so the body doesn't get to go into that sort of, yeah, <laughs> chronic fatigue, <laughs> um, you know, doesn't get to go into that rest. And, um, and then, of course, what will happen then is, you know, the, the adrenal, you know, the, the kidney can't keep um, providing all of that adrenaline and all of that cortisol, and eventually we'll get into we'll go into burnout. So, um, I love I love the obviously we use that metaphor of the, the tiger a lot in, in our sort of industry, if you like. Um, but I never thought of juggling twelve tigers. Now there's a challenge. <laughs> yeah. But on that but note, can you, just, yeah. can you just maybe explain to people listening? What do you mean by the fact that in a day, you know, in our domestic lives, we mm-hmm. might be facing all of these tigers? Can you just maybe give a few examples of, of what we're really talking about here? Yeah. Okay. So if you're um, a mother, for example, you know, you might have all sorts of deadlines that you're facing, or not just a mother, it could be anybody. But, you know, let's assume you've got a care of um, children, you know, you've got one child that needs a certain sort of attention in one area. Um, you know, we have the sorts of demands on us now are so huge, you know, in terms of um, how we have to, you know, uh, make sure that our, you know, children are ready for things like school, you know, if they've done what they need to do, whether that's homework, whether it's having all the things that need to be ready for them. Um, And the sorts of, also as a parent, you know, these sorts of um, pressures, because you have to perform to make sure that your children are, you know, doing what they're meant to be doing, you know, getting where they need to get to on time. Um, And the expectations that there are around that, whether it's from, you know, um, educational institutes or whether it's from other people in your society, you know, it could be from places like, you know, schools, churches, social clubs, you know, your children are involved in athletics and pressure is immense, as you know, as you all know. So they've got huge, huge, um, you know, uh, and the tigers, the, the, the important part of that is that it's there's some sort of life-threatening uh, belief that underpins that. So that's where our beliefs are really important and they're really powerful, you know, um, because it's what we believe about having to achieve those things and what type of impact that has on us, our life, our family. Um, and if we if we somehow are, are seeing that as a huge threat, a huge threat to our position in society or a huge threat to, you know, our metaphorical life, it doesn't have to be our real life, it just has to be how we believe our life should be, um, that creates these huge, the body is still based in that old way of seeing things and responding to things. So if you believe, uh, you know, that these things are essential, you know, life important aspects, um, then your biology will behave as if that's exactly what they are. So all those things become tigers, getting caught in rush hour traffic, having to, you know, see your boss who's who's under pressure and is putting pressure on you, trying to get this project done, having to, you know, it goes on and on and on. 
I always feel like our, it's like you say, this goes back to our ancestry, when our physical structure now is is hardly changed from that time when we we didn't live in these very domesticated world, you know, lives that we have now. And, you know, we did have to run from maybe wild animals or we did have to chase something so we could have it for our dinner. And it was very simple then, though. But it feels like our body has not evolved, or the mind and the body link together have not evolved sufficiently to be able to recognise real danger. So when that crazy person with an axe comes running after you, um, to being sat in a traffic jam, late for an appointment, and still creating that same biological response as if you are being chased by either a tiger or a crazy person with an axe. And yeah. that's part of the problem, isn't it? It's, like, it's as if we've, life has evolved, but we've maybe not quite evolved at the rate that would help us. No, and that's not surprising. You know, if you look at the sorts of the, the evolution, even just in the last hundred years, the you know, <laughs> I mean, not to try and go too much off topic, but you know, there's huge things going on now. You know, how we how are we integrating and understanding, you know, um, computer technology, AI. You know, or the, there are huge, huge. Um, developments that are happening beyond our individual capability to learn ways to adapt and evolve um, in, in respect of those things and to be able to, you know, because evolution is, is a process of testing out basically different adaptations and seeing which ones work best, okay? So, and in a way, this is one of the reasons why we might find, you know, we might be thinking, why am I having the same things happening to me again and again? You know, this always happens to me. Um, it, it's a form of, uh, of evolution. It's, you know, it's soul sort of finding, okay, so there's, there's another scenario of this same thing. If we continue to have those same sorts of events and experiences and we don't like them, but we still continue to do the same things that we've been doing before this is very well obviously you know if you always do what you've always done then you just still keep getting what you always got um so you know evolution is we have the ability within us to make alternative choices if we open up to think about that and say okay enough is enough I've got to do this differently because it doesn't work but actually, evolution can sometimes happen far quicker than our individual ability to do that. And, you know, uh, it's one of the things that also then, you know, it gets passed down generation to generation. And one of the other things that can happen is if we at least survived that difficulty, even if we come out of it not in great shape, the biology still says, I got through that, so that strategy worked. So it might still apply that strategy, even though there might be a different and better one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, so if we were to go back to the specifics of the thyroid, so, so we're sort of establishing here that there is this connection. Hopefully that's been made very clear that what goes on in our lives is very much linked to what we believe about ourselves, about the world at large, and maybe other people and generally about life. So, you know, some sort of beliefs we might have, for example, are um, I'm not good enough. That's a very common 
belief. You know, if you have this underpinning belief, which you may not even be consciously aware that you're thinking that, but when you start to strip the layers away, you you know, and generally it involves working with a therapist or doing a, a good amount of self-help work, you begin yeah. to understand I'm not good enough is a common one. Um, you know, things like people judge me. And that's going to make you maybe fear some sort of social interaction. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there's just a whole plethora of beliefs that, that we can have. I'm not lovable and the world's a dangerous place. So those underpin, don't they? Those are fundamental because they're right there. I tend to say to people, they're there in our subconscious mind. That's sort of where I sort of tend to come from. Um, but they're fundamental and they're, they're strong and they're deep. And you can't just consciously go, oh, that's not true. Because no. deep down you believe it. You have Absolutely. to work yeah. through the layers so that that belief spins around. Yes. So we know that our beliefs are fundamental. Therefore, that's a beginning of a link with the mind. We know that something triggers that health issue, which is generally linked to something that goes on in life, as you've given some examples of that. So with regards to the thyroid, what is that specific link? Why thyroid? What's going on? that causes someone to have a thyroid issue. Okay. That's really good, really good points that you made there. And because, you know, the whole premise with the, with the mind body detective, um, you know, the way that we work is to understand that every organ and every tissue um, has specific functions. So, you know, when we go into stress based on the beliefs that we're holding, um, there is a specific type of thinking, a specific way that we've perceived or or what we believe about what's happening to us, where the body would intelligently look for a biological solution for that particular problem. So it's not random. It doesn't, things don't just happen randomly. The body is looking for best solution within the understanding that it currently has okay so so what happens there is um you know we find that we have repeating symptoms we might you know you might be someone who has a lot of you know ear infections or you might be someone who constantly has certain issues in one part of your body or you know that particular part of your body rather than actually being dysfunctional or broken um it's 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 that part of the body that's taking the brunt of whatever it is that we think is going on whatever we believe about our situation so you're quite right so the thyroid has some specific themes that are um, connected to it and they can get quite complicated and they can work through many levels but actually fundamentally let's just um you know talk about um you know the most basic fundamental um aspect of the thyroid which is which is the theme of powerlessness um so (laughs) I I laugh because I think if somebody had said powerlessness to me before I understood exactly quite what that meant I would have been like I'm not powerless I don't know what you're talking about you know my I think my reaction to that would have been you know I definitely don't think I'm powerless but 
certainly then as you go through the experience of the symptoms of the disease more and more you feel powerless in your life to change things to you know to to be able to function properly but actually fundamentally the theme is powerlessness it's a um <laughs> it's a it's a theme whereby you know we are stuck where we don't have the or we don't believe we have the um, the strength, the resources, the ability to be able to move ourselves um, beyond our, our current situation. In 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 some ways, um, and this is a lot of the work that I've done as well, is that we is that we find that we are effectively in a living freeze. Um, so there are lots of levels of how powerlessness can show up. Um, and, and also with the thyroid, there are different, um, there are two, two aspects. So there's always a stress phase and regeneration phase. So, um, you know, they show up with different types of symptoms in different situations. Uh, so it's not quite as, as, as straightforward as there's just one thing that happens and, and that's it. But um, so, for example, if I if I give you um, an idea and the first one that I'm going to tell you about actually is quite um, it might seem quite mundane. But the reason I'm going to uh, tell this story is because um, it. It's one of the things, so in my own work, uh, when I was doing a lot of work around healing uh, issues around my thyroid, um, I did lots of different different things. It took me probably about 18 months or so to go from still having thyroid issue to uh, finally being out of experiencing any types of symptoms um, and, and then basically being diagnosed as euthyroid. Um, but one of the, for example, one of the, uh, issues that I had to work on clearing in, as you say, it's not just going, oh, well, that, that, that wasn't important. It didn't, you know, it wasn't that big a deal was, um, something that happened in my childhood when I was four years old. Now we know that a lot of our traumas and a lot of our issues that then emerge later on in adulthood are very often rooted and based in experiences in childhood and the way that we've understood that and processed it and then take on beliefs in that moment. And actually, I mean, this is, you know, my, my heart goes out to this little four-year-old me, but, um, but it, you know, as an adult, you might look at it and think that's, it's really not a big deal. Uh, I was out in the garden. We lived in a masonette in uh, in uh, London, in Hounslow, and um, and basically, um, my mum was indoors. The door was shut, and I was out playing in the garden. And it was the summer. I went to go. I wanted to go indoors. I wanted to go back in. I'd had enough in the garden. And when I got to the front door that was closed, it was literally covered from top to bottom in um in the crane flies and so you know uh, I went to I went to sort of move to touch the door to go in and suddenly I lit I literally went into freeze so this four-year-old uh little girl went into freeze and couldn't move forward needed desperately suddenly to to get indoors you see what we have to understand is in that moment there are lots of things that happen in that freeze moment 
that little girl is completely separated from her mum, from her home, from her ability to get to where she needs to go. Um, she can't move forward, terrified by this thing that's in front of her, that she can't move forward or past. Um, it, it was completely unexpected, never seen these types of creatures before, um, don't know why they're there, just, just has never seen them, terrified by the way they moved, um, that they sort of clung onto the door and all the things that they were doing. Um, and then at the same time, you know, this complete fear of believing I'm never going to be able to get home. I'm never going to see my mum again. I'm never, ever going to be able to get past this door. Where am I going to go? You know, I'm feeling completely and utterly alone with uh, uh, no one around, no one to help, no one available. Um, and so whilst this sort of scenario in itself is a tiny little thing that as, it, as an adult, we would say, that's not a big deal. It's not really a trauma, is it? You know, nothing really major happened in that moment. But in that moment, huge things happened in my psyche. I was completely separated. I was alone when I needed help. There was no one there. You know, I believed completely that I was never going to uh, be able to get past that moment. Um, and that little four-year-old had to find a strategy and work out how, you know, to, to get past that. Uh, but without going too much into that, you know, I just wanted to use that as an example of how the smallest little things actually then go into our biology. They, they have, it had a huge emotional impact, psychological impact, and biologically, my body was in freeze. So that was one of the first freeze moments that actually, you know, daily, if, when I was given the condition of my thyroid, that would never have come to mind. But by doing the work that you do to uncover what's behind all of this, you know, all of this connection, you find yourself in some of these amazing places that you're just like, gosh, I'll remember that now. But, I, you know, you, you would never consciously come up with thinking there was a connection, but that, that there is. Absolutely. I mean, you talking about that just reminds me of a lot of client sessions that I have. And I've known clients sometimes say to me, oh, it can't be this. Because as you look at it as an adult, you think, well, I, I can deal with that. But as a young child, when you might not have all the skills or the knowledge or the resources that you might then have as an adult, then your perception of that event is not the same as an adult's would be. So it doesn't matter how you see it as an adult. What matters is how you see it at the time, mm -hmm. how you absorb that information and how you deal with it and what you then believe. And that, that belief and those emotions and everything that you've said, it's almost as if it becomes very imprinted within you, physically as well as mentally and emotionally. And it, yeah. it is all part of your body's natural um, protective mechanism, isn't it? You know, this, this is the body doing its work, really. It's doing its yeah. job. It's not the body. See, the thing we're, we tend to be led to believe when we're young about the body when it gets ill is the body's made a mistake. But this is not the body making a mistake. This is the body and the mind, as I say, doing its job, doing what it's meant to do. But the problem becomes when we haven't released the stress 
yeah it, so the imprint stays exactly. um and we haven't created the healing then 